Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Okay, you know, this car looks great wrapped around you, you know. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Welcome back, everyone. 906 The Time, hour number three here on Sports 56 Mornings. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. Currently cloudy, 53 degrees. We're looking at a low tonight of about... 42 degrees with some clouds, but at least the rain is going away. Tomorrow, intervals of clouds and sunshine with a high of 53 as we get closer to Thanksgiving. By the way, if you missed this earlier, uh, the five favorite things topic for tomorrow's show, your five favorite places in Memphis to get a sub or a sandwich. Your five favorite places in Memphis to get a sub or a sandwich. It's Tuesday. It's time to talk some Rhodes Athletics. It's time to go inside Rhodes College Athletics on Sports 56 Mornings. Every week, a representative from Rhodes will join Greg and Eli to talk about all things Lynx. Let's go inside Rhodes Athletics now on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are joined by the head basketball coach for Rhodes uh, men's basketball. That's Zoe Goodson. You can follow him on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. Hey, coach, how are you? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing fantastic. Uh, congratulations. Uh, you got that first dub on Sunday, part of the Rhodes Classic, after uh, losing on Saturday against DePaul, 65-58. You found the stroke. You played a very good University of the Ozarks team and got an 85-51 win. So it all came together on Sunday. Finally came together. You know, shooting came together. I always say when they're making shots, it makes me look a lot better, too. <laughs> so we made a lot of shots, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, all weekend we really defended really well um and really proud of the guys you know even after after a tough loss having a lead at half against DePaul we were able to come out uh second half and and just couldn't couldn't get anything going there but then coming back Sunday you know at, at shoot around Sunday morning I knew it was going to be a special day you could you felt the energy from the guys they weren't they weren't beat up they weren't beat down at the fact that we were 0-3 so we walked into to the game feeling confident, just knowing we had a really good shoot around. Um, guys came out, and you know we had a slow start again, down five nothing. But you know when we got going, it, it was it was fun to watch. Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen a team go literally day to day from four for twenty two from three point range to the following that up with a. 15 for 28 performance. That, that's yeah, pretty that's, good turnaround. That's an unbelievable turnaround. That's some great coaching you did overnight. It, you Saturday. know, it's pretty <laughs> it's pretty impressive what I was able to get done. No, it's just the guys. And, and we woke up Sunday, had a meeting with the staff, and the first thing I said, we're not going to feel sorry for ourselves. We're not. We, you know, we knew we had a tough schedule opening up the season. So, um, so we went into the meeting that morning when we met with the guys to watch film. We showed them the shots that were bad shots. We showed the good shots, and we told them that and we empowered them and inspired them and, and let them know that those shots are going to go down. We believed in them. We continued our belief in them. We had, a, like I said, a really good shoot around. We practiced a lot of the shots that just didn't fall in shoot around to make sure they got to see the ball go through the hoop. And, you know, down at the end of the day, they believed in themselves and, and they, they, they shot the ball really well. Well, what I like is it's positive reinforcement. Yep. You didn't, after the Saturday game, go, all right, no more three-point shooting. Yep. In fact, you shot it more on Sunday and were successful. How much a part of your team and your philosophy is the three-point shot? It's a huge part of the game, right, for all of us. Um, you know, we're we're a big believer in, in – 
getting to, we we want to shoot a lot of threes. We we do. We are a big believer in that. And we look at our offense. It's inside out kick the whole time. And so we're looking for we you know we shoot the ball really well in the corner usually, and we just didn't on Saturday. Uh, but we you know Xavier to open up the game. He had you know he ended up a game with 31 points. Uh, but to open up the game, he had a wide open three in the corner. He airballed it. I mean, didn't even come close. <laughs> didn't even come close. But he looked at me. He's like, keep shooting the ball. Keep shooting the ball. Because at the end of the day, shooters got to shoot. And we are a team, you know, we're, we're forming a team of, of guys that can shoot the ball. And you're going to have great games and you're going to have some bad games. But, we, you know, we're not going to quit shooting the ball. Yeah, I would say uh, I would say things turn around for him from there. Yeah, uh, he, yeah. he goes for thirty one. You, you you count on your stars and and Williams and Dotson combined for fifty one points in that win. Yeah, and that's who. And I told him after the game, you know, after the game on Saturday, I said, "Look, volume shooters got to keep shooting." I said, "But volume shooters got to take good shots." So I got on him a little bit after the game about shot selection. And then they went into to Sunday, and we, we broke it down, though. We sent them all their clips of all the shots they took on Saturday mm-hmm. so they could see the good and the bad. And then they came out, and, and I, you know, I'm, not a, I'm not a believer in game of saying that's a bad shot. I never tell the guys in game that's a bad shot. I talk about how we can get better shots, but I'm not going to kick them when they're down. You know, they missed the shot. They know they missed the shot. They felt it. So, you know, you got to keep going to your guys. And, and, and Xavier and, and Phil are scorers. They're, that's what they do. Xavier's a great defender. Phil's becoming a really good defender. But at the end of the day, they're volume shooters. They got to shoot the ball. Right. 85 points, so a big offensive output. But you started to talk about that defense. You limit that team, a good team, to 51. You're doing your job defensively. We did. And, you know, we, you know I take a lot of pride in saying this. And people, you know, they're going to say, why is he talking about this? We really held him to. 48. They got a prayer three at the end of the game. <laughs> so, so we were really we were really excited about the fact that we held them 251. Um, and, and, you know, the guys that came off the bench the entire game, our energy level was through the roof on the defensive side. Our guys were flying around. We scrambled. We called our scramble in our defense, and our guys were moving quickly. We have implemented a couple zones um, over the last couple of weeks. You know, I'm a big believer in you put things in everything in early and you work on it as you go and now he says the season continues you're going to continue to get better at everything and so we got everything in we we worked really really hard last week i mean we spent a week on defense after last after last weekend giving up so many points being dead last in the league in defense going into the weekend we knew we had to change some things we finished first in the league last year in defense we wanted to change that up and we did that Went from dead last to second in the league. And so we still have a lot of things to get better at, but I was really happy with their effort. We talked about shooting and knocking down shots, good shots. All that part of getting good shots is moving, ball movement, all those things. You were telling us you're one of the best in the country as far as assist percentage goes. Correct. Yeah. So assist percentage is number of assists per made bucket. Right. And so top 20 in the country right now in assist percentage. Really excited about that. We share the ball so well. Even even in a loss on Saturday, we had 13 assists on only 21 made buckets. It was just a, a bad day shooting. Right. But we share the ball so well. And then, you know, you look at Phil, you know, he had five assists on 20 points the other day. You know, that's a guy that, you know, that everybody thinks is just a shooter only. Mm-hmm. He's out distributing the ball. We had another guy with seven assists in the game on Sunday. We do a really, really good job sharing the ball. We don't unselfish. Have, very unselfish team. Very unselfish. 
Injury-wise, last week we talked about uh, the health issues. Did you have anybody back for this uh, Rhodes Classic? No, we lost another one oh, no. in the middle of the week. So, <laughs> so we were, we're one more down. Um, Are you the Grizzlies, by the yeah, way? Yeah, we, we can't get we just can't get over the hump. So we're, I'm giving the guys tomorrow and Thursday off. I'm hoping that that will... You know, get some of these guys that are hurt. You know, we have some some major injuries, but we also have a lot of guys that are just hurt right now that need to get get back. Uh, so if we give them a couple of days off, and we'll get back after we practice at six a.m. this morning, mm-hmm. so they could have go to class, go see family for a couple of days, and then we'll have a couple of practices Friday and get back after. And Saturday. now his concern is turkey overdose. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's what you're gonna worry about. Well, now. What you, do you like? From a coaching perspective, when they, you know, I mean, there, there are times certainly where they need to get away from it, but do you get like this early in the year, like, man, I don't, I don't know if this is a good time to have a break for them to get away from it. That's all I, I, I beat myself up all day <laughs> yesterday, this morning. That's all I thought about, man, I give them way, I give them way too big of a break this early, but it's, a, it's important when your team, they're still really, really well gelled together. Mm-hmm. And so it's important for them to get a break because there's so many guys feeling, you know, a pain here or there. So I do think it's important. You know, and, and Xavier, so we had our big parents weekend. I think it's no no secret why Xavier finally came out of a slump. He got to be with his family. His brothers were in town. You know, so there, it's a, there's a big important piece of this, especially at this level, that these guys still get to be home for Thanksgiving and be with their families. And I, I, I firmly believe in the healing power of turkey. Oh my gosh, yeah. No doubt about it. Run a little gravy IV really will get you going. Why do we only have that turkey once a year? I mean, we have turkey sandwiches, turkey subs, but the big old turkey we have like once a year. By the way, for those who don't know, because you give the first name for your players, uh, Xavier's last name, for so it's, people can get familiar with these names. Xavier Williams and Phil Dotson are two guys we've been talking about. Okay, we're going to talk about this weekend's games. you got two more games at home over at Mallory, and we'll talk about that in just a second. Are you a golfer, by the way? I'm not. I'm not I, I've done it. I'm terrible. I'm just the world's <laughs> worst golfer. Well, maybe if you go to Meadowbrook Country worst. Club. World's worst. You guys, hey, listen, there's a lot of competition out there for that title. Uh, I'll tell you that much. I'm at the bottom of the barrel, I promise. <laughs> maybe as you get older and the hair starts to turn and gray. Like and you start you, there's to no way maybe, you're the worst. The there, worst. There's no, you're an athlete, and you know what? Here's the thing with golf. You can play it until you're 100 years old. And you can play over at Meadowbrook Country Club, 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. Open Tuesday through Saturday. And now, now, actually, yeah, Tuesday through Sunday. But uh, Private Country Club is now semi-private. They established themselves in 1959, right? 59 until 2023, they were a private country club. But now semi-private, meaning you can make it your daily fee course at just $59 plus tax. That includes cart. You can play a challenging layout, Bermuda Greens, tough challenge at Meadowbrook Country Club. Again, 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. It is just about 15 minutes from Midtown or downtown. Really an easy trip from anywhere in the tri-state area. Call 870-394-4186 to make your tea time. 870-394-4186. Talk to pro Mark Bartlett. He'll get your tea time down. He can also give you lessons. He can fit you for Shrixon clubs. He does it all at Meadowbrook Country Club. And if you want to become a member of the country club, you can do that as well. $350 per month includes golf and tennis. Pickleball, great swimming pool, restaurant, and bar. Meadowbrook Country Club, 1250 West Broadway in West Memphis, Arkansas. Again, call them at 870-394-4186. Make your tea time today. Okay, so you just played the Rhodes Classic at home. Now you got some more home cooking this weekend. You're playing Webster on Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then you have Washington University at 3. Now, 
I've heard of Washington for years and years. Always the St. Louis portion of your schedule. Yes, it is. They, <laughs> they, they always are great in whatever sport it is. So how good are they in basketball? And what about the challenges this weekend? WashU is uh, number one in the country. <laughs> there, you three, so there, there you go. So there you go. There, that, that tells you where they are. Um, all the power rankings. I mean, they've had an unbelievable start, and, and they're they're doing great. They're a great team. Um, you know, Pat, the head coach, and I have become really good friends. Uh, and so we actually have started a, a four-year series with WashU. Next year, uh, we actually host again an all-academic uh, event with WashU and Chicago, University of Chicago, mm-hmm. Colorado College. So uh, it's a great partner of ours. Um, you know, I, I tell people all the time, I took this job. Wash U was a program that we we really looked up to, a program that we strive to try to be like, and so um, we know it, it, we're 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 a long way away from it, but we're we're really excited about the opportunity and the challenge ahead of us to play them on Sunday. So I, could, I would I was going to say by the way I could Wash U versus Rhodes would be a hell of a quiz bowl matchup as well. Unbelievable! That, yeah, that yeah. would there would be some brain power in that room. We need yeah. to get a uh, what the uh, with the courtroom the mock trial going. <laughs> yeah. with them. Well, it's pretty obvious with having already played Colorado College on the road, playing Wash U. I'm not real familiar with Webster, but it looks like you want to play the best we to do. become the best. We do, and that's that's the whole thing. We our, our point this year was a step up the schedule. We wanted to to get up. We had we got to get our strength of schedule up in order to get our power ranking up. We had to get our strength of schedule up, and so we wanted to play that. You know, we've got we're going out to Vegas and in the, in the biggest. Uh, D3 Classic there is out there hosted by D3 Hoops and so you go out there to play real competition and, and that's what you want you want to get and we got to get better for the league we, you know we finished second in the league if we want to compete for that top spot we got to get better now and be ready for, for league play when's the Vegas tournament? that's December 28th and 30th we play out there so a holiday tournament yep yeah, they're having. What them. about Webster University? What's what's the scouting report on them? Well, you know they're 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 one and two right now. Um, they're they're a young team like us. They're a really young team, but look, they're really athletic, a really good basketball team, and we got to. We're not overlooking Webster at all. Looking at WashU, I, I don't do that. We, you know, I haven't. I'll be honest with you. I've only watched maybe three or four minutes of WashU. I've only focused on Webster right now because they are a very good basketball team that we need to. We have to be ready for. It's tough. They got a four foot two center, Webster. <laughs> this is my. Uh... I was at St. Louis. I used to work right next to Webster University. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, so they're oh, that's another St. Louis. Okay, so Webster a couple, couple from St. Louis that you were yep. playing this weekend. Do you expect to have anybody back uh, from the injury list for this weekend? Yeah, I think I think Nick Lewis will be back by by Saturday. Um, you know, Jonathan Prang is still probably four weeks out uh, on on the shoulder injury. We get Elijah White back next month. So really we'll get one more back this weekend uh, with, with Nick Lewis as a freshman. Um, but, you know, you're, you did the, the great golf promo. We need to get Jonathan Prang out there. He's a golfer now. Oh, is that he? That young man is a golfer. Put him up against Savoy over here. We'll, we'll have the big battle. Don't be throwing me into the <laughs> lion's den. Well, you got to represent us. It's not going to be me. So it's Webster and Rhodes this Saturday at 1 o'clock. And then at 3 o'clock on Sunday, a big battle against number one Washington University. Another challenge for the Rhodes Lynx. Zoe, as always, thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you. We'll talk to you next week. Happy Thanksgiving to you all. And happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Thank you. That is Zoe Goodson. That's our road segment. We do it each and every Tuesday. You can follow Coach on Twitter at Zoe Goodson. 
Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration for all your roofing and home repair needs. Call Brandon McCullough at 901-438-5084 or go online to newroofmemphis.com. They offer financing with different plans to choose from, including a 6, 12, or 18-month same-as-cash option. If you have a roofing problem right now with the rain we've had the last few days, uh, you, you know you have a problem, right? Because your house is soaked. You need to get that roof taken care of, and they'll come out and do a free roof inspection. They'll also work with your insurance company or out-of-pocket, whatever it takes to get that roof fixed or to get the new roof. They do residential and commercial roofing. So business owners, property managers, obviously homeowners. Call Brandon today. Uh, they are a member of the Better Business Bureau. They are licensed, bonded, and insured. Five-year labor warranty on the purchase of a new roof and all their work is satisfaction guaranteed, including carpentry work, exterior painting. They can replace gutters, install shingles, and put up fencing and siding, rotten wood repair, whatever you can't do yourself. If you're not a handyman, which I am not, I call the experts at Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Quality work at a very reasonable price. Pinnacle Roofing and Restoration. Again, for all your roofing and home repair needs, call Brandon. Tell me you heard it here on Sports 56 Mornings, 901-438-5084 or online at newroofmemphis.com. When we come back, college football talk with Blake Topmeyer, and we'll give you the big breaking story once again in case you missed it about the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium renovations. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Be sure to follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube to watch live video of our shows, stay up to date with station events, and have chances to win prizes. Don't miss out on anything that's going on. Follow us at Sports 56 WHBQ. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Get them to sign on the line which is dotted. Here once again. Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Gonna put the world away for a minute. This hour is brought to you by Acura Memphis. Ridgeway and 385 is where you'll find them. During the holidays, always great deals you could find at the different car dealerships. And Acura, of course, Memphis is no different. Always a great car buying experience. And check them out this holiday season. Of course, it'd be a great gift. If you're you're wanting to get the gift, I'm sure they'll even get the big bow to throw on top of there as well. <laughs> you need the big bow. There's no, there's no doubt, no doubt about that. Acura Memphis again, Ridgeway 385 online, AcuraOfMemphis.com. From new vehicles to the pre-owned vehicles, certified pre-owned Acuras, you'll find them all at Acura of Memphis again. If in case you missed it uh, earlier this morning, uh, just a little about I guess what 30 minutes ago or so, the Daily Memphian with the article, Fred Smith, the Smith family has donated $50 million to be put towards the renovations of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. The university will also put up a matching $50 million. They will also then get $120 million of the state money. So that gives them their $220 million that they need. And then uh, the Grizzlies will have the remaining $230 million of the state money plus some other money as they try to get all of that thing settled. No deal done yet. Long-term deal with the Grizzlies and the city, but working towards that. And there is the mention in the story that also the university could take over control of Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Yeah, great news all around for the University of Memphis, for the city of Memphis as well. Well, time now to talk some college football. We do it every other week with Blake Topmeyer. He's the SEC columnist 
for the USA Today Network. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at B. Topmeyer. We'll talk some SEC. We'll talk some national football, uh, national college football. And, of course, Blake, tonight the latest college football playoff rankings. First of all, thank you for joining us. Good morning to you. Do you expect any changes at the top of the uh, list tonight? Yeah, I think uh, I think Washington climbs at least one spot when you combine their their road win at Oregon State and the injury to Jordan Travis, the season season ending injury to Florida State's quarterback. Um, I think they they at least move Washington up to number four, and wouldn't be totally shocked if given uh, Michigan's probably closer than expected win against Maryland combined with Michigan's um, shaky strength of schedule, if, if Washington is all the way up to number three, of course mm. it doesn't really matter because Michigan plays Ohio State this weekend in, in an elimination game for Michigan. If, if Michigan wins, um, you know they'd probably be back up to the spot that we're at anyway. Um, if they lose, they're probably out. Uh, and that doesn't really change, regardless of, of what they do with Washington. So, but no, I, I do expect Washington to climb at least one spot. And if we're basing this off resume, there's really no denying that they should be a top three team. Probably should be a, a top should have been a top three team all along, right. based on what they've accomplished. We know this committee loves the eye test so much. Um, however, in this case, I think they need to put the eye test aside and, and give some credit to a team that that goes out there and, and beats. Pretty good teams uh, with regularity, and then and they did it again on the road at Oregon State. You mentioned the Jordan Travis injury, which you know they say they that you're, they're not there to consider that. Not they're not projecting; they are judging by what has been accomplished so far. Certainly, though, it has to be in the conversation. I you know you can't just ignore this thing. Are you of the belief that if Florida State wins against Florida? wins the ACC championship game, that no, no matter how they do it, whether they're both close games or whatever, that if they get there undefeated, they will be in no matter what? Um, I think they would be, yes. Uh, the The difficult one, I guess, would be is if Alabama beats Georgia uh-huh. mm-hmm. in the SEC championship. That's where it gets complicated. But uh, I, 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 I don't see how the committee – could in good conscience keep out an undefeated conference champion. Um, and in, and if they win two games without Jordan Travis, they would have some data points that say, um, you know, Florida State can, can still win without him. Now, one would come against a Florida team that's, uh, you know, pretty mediocre team, five and six, what have you. But the other would come against Louisville in the ACC championship. And so if they were to beat a top-ten Louisville team, Without Jordan Travis, I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that's enough of a data point to say, hey, this team's undefeated, they're a conference champion, and they beat a top-ten team with their backup quarterback. So, um, yeah, would they be as dangerous uh, you know, without Jordan Travis as they were with him? Certainly not. But if they can beat Louisville without him, um, you know, I think that would be enough to get them into the playoff. You know, it, it actually you know, it's kind of beneficial – I think to Florida State that they do have that ACC championship against a top ten team. You know, I mean, it would be easier beating a weaker opponent in the conference champion. But if there, you know, if there's any doubt in the committee's mind about whether they should put an undefeated Seminole team in the playoff, um, I think that's where beating Louisville 
you know, would be enough to get them over the hump and, and get them in. All right, you brought up Georgia and Alabama and what chaos could could pursue or could uh, come from that, I should say, if Alabama can knock off Georgia. First of all, uh, does um, obviously Alabama has to beat Auburn, which they will, and uh, Georgia has to beat Georgia Tech. But the way Alabama's played the last month, do you give them uh, a chance to knock off Georgia? And if they do knock off Georgia, is Georgia going to have a strong enough resume with the you know, lack of really non-conference powers that were you know missing from their schedule? Would it still be good enough with their their resume to be able to get in as a one-loss team if things you know fell to a one-loss team to get into the playoff? Yeah, so the first question with Alabama, the possibility of them beating Georgia, I would call it maybe like two or three times out of ten. So, okay. I mean, that's, that's, that's enough to consider it. Um, and and the, the backside of that is, like, their resume, Georgia's resume with a loss to Alabama, I don't know if their resume would be enough to get them in. Mm-hmm. However, again, this, this committee, to me it's a frustrating committee, but I don't want to get on that whole soapbox. Yeah. <laughs> um, this committee doesn't seem to care about resume that much. They care about your record, and they care about how you look. Um, consistently, they've really kind of ignored strength of schedule in their rankings. The only thing they did was keep Ohio State at number one for a couple weeks. That, that was the only thing, really, that favored resume. Everything else has been about record and eye test. Um, and so we know Georgia's looked very good on the eye test in recent weeks. They've got a couple good wins now, beating Ole Miss and beating Missouri. And so if they looked easy on the eyes in defeat to Alabama, I still think the committee would would try really hard to find a way to get Georgia in, even though they don't they don't have that strength of schedule yeah. like uh, like an Ohio State has, like a Washington has. Um, again, I, I just it, the fact that Washington was ranked where they were all along tells me this committee doesn't really care about resume; they care about how you look on the eyes. Um, and the fact that they have Georgia number one right now, Georgia will be number one again, I think almost certainly tonight. They'll be number one still, uh, I would think, going into the SEC championship. The only thing that could change that is if Ohio State beats Michigan, maybe Georgia slips to number two going into the conference championship. But either way, I think Georgia's one or two going into the conference championship. So, yeah, I think the committee would really want to find a way for them in. I just think Texas is the complicating factor. Yeah. You know, with Texas having that head-to-head over Alabama in Alabama's home stadium, I think that's the kicker. I mm-hmm. think if that win had occurred in Austin, the committee might be able to say, well, that was a road loss for Alabama. They're probably the better team. But it would be really hard for the committee to totally ignore the head-to-head between Texas and Alabama. So if, if Texas wins the Big 12 championship at 12-1, and they really become a huge roadblock because then – how do you give Alabama the last spot over Texas? Right. I don't know yeah, if you right. can. And then if you can't put Alabama in, how do you put Georgia yeah. in if they just lose to Alabama? So, like, again, I think it all – Texas has to lose to clear up some of these situations for the committee. Otherwise, they they may feel like they have no choice but to bump Georgia out and bump Alabama out maybe, and, and that's the doomsday scenario for the SEC. Which is undefeated Big Ten, undefeated Florida State, uh, undefeated Washington and Texas is twelve and one and your Big Twelve champion. That's that's your doomsday scenario for for Greg Sankey. 
which would be it's just crazy to think the 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 conference who has dominated the playoff would suddenly could possibly be left out altogether. Um, all the other conferences would celebrate like, hey, we got a chance to win the thing now. Yeah, finally. I mean, Blake, Blake scenario, the doomsday scenario. I mean, sounds correct. I mean, I can't argue with it yet. It's just like you said, Eli. It's hard for me to fathom this league not having a team in the playoff. They've always had a team in the playoff. Well, it, it would be a test, guys, if if what the committee says is true. Of uh, they look at things through this year's lens and not a historical mm-hmm. lens. By the right, way, I don't right. believe I don't believe that, <laughs> and and I don't know if it's it's fair to even expect that. Like in your subconscious, I just don't buy that you you can shut off what you what you guys are talking about. The fact that that uh, you know the SEC has dominated this format for for nine years and quite frankly dominated the, the yeah. BCS before that. I don't I don't know that you can shut your subconscious off to that. Um, but if we if they are able to do that somehow and just look at it through this year's lens, guys, I don't think the SEC is very good this year. Um, I think they got two really good teams mm-hmm. at the top in Georgia and Alabama. Um, and then I think they got a, probably three teams behind that, the, the guys that are ranked that are solid teams in, in LSU, Ole Miss, and Missouri. And then after that, I think it's pretty bleak mm-hmm. in this conference. I mean, we just saw uh, Auburn lose and lose i mean they got whipped at home by new mexico state and i don't make new mexico state's a solid group of five team but you know in past iterations of the sec that's a slam dunk victory um we look at the number of teams that that might miss bowl games uh i mean unless florida clemson or excuse me florida south carolina or mississippi state score an upset this week those three teams are out of bowls joining a list of arkansas and vanderbilt at least five teams missed bowl game mm-hmm. uh and then we got some other mediocre teams thrown in there too like kentucky auburn uh tennessee even uh to texas a&m like and, I agree. And, when, I agree. and these data points outside the conference um you know when when an sec team has played uh a good a non-conference opponent this year they've usually lost <laughs> and so yeah the the, the league I, I i think history will play in the mind of the committee but it will be a test of is it really about what's happened this year because this year georgia's been dominant alabama's been pretty good and and the argument for the sec kind of falls apart after that so who do you like in the michigan ohio state game kind of like Ohio State, and, and I, I although ask me again tomorrow, I might have a different <laughs> answer. I've been, I've been flip-flopping on this. Coming into the season, I said I would have had Ohio State ranked as my preseason number one. Now, I quickly backpedaled off that when I saw what they looked like, right? Um, but they kept winning, and they got some good victories, and I think they have gotten better as the season's gone along. I think they have uh, probably the best collection of talent this side of Georgia. And I wonder, though, too, if if Michigan's maybe going to be kind of running on fumes at this point. Now, the alternative to that is it's this us against the world thing, and the Harbaugh, the whole Harbaugh NCAA saga, saga continues to be a motivating factor. Maybe that happens, but the emotional strain of all of that, you know, the last several weeks, and uh, you know, I mean, this is self-induced, right? I'm not saying it's <laughs> self-induced by the players, but it's self-induced by the program. This isn't a cry for sympathy, but there does come emotional strain from that, whether you caused it or not. You know, I wonder if if Michigan starts to be running on fumes at this point, and they're playing against one of the best teams in the country, 
Uh, I know Ohio State doesn't always win pretty, but you look at their average margin of victory, and teams aren't scoring on them, um, and they got some real weapons uh, on offense. I think Kyle McCord's getting better. So uh, it's without much confidence that I say I'm picking an Ohio State up mm-hmm. this week. As if you won't be with us next week. The if the Washington Oregon rematch, if that is what we do get, do you like Washington to beat them again? I like Oregon, but maybe not as strongly as I think the uh, the general populace does. Like everybody's falling in love with Oregon, mm-hmm. um, and again, all Washington does is keep going out there every Saturday and <laughs> and and beating good teams. And I know they they had their. There are two bad performances in back-to-back weeks after the Oregon game, beating uh, you know two of the weaker teams in the Pac-12 by closer than expected margins. But Washington kind of feels like this year's TCU in that they're a good team, but they're also, um, I don't know if you want to say really good or really fortunate or a combination of both in those you know late-game situations. But I think overall, Oregon is the more talented, better team. Uh, the old cliche that it's hard to beat a team twice. The first game occurred in Seattle, so now we're moving to a neutral site. I think I would I would take Oregon in the rematch, but um, I, it almost seems like you know, in the general populace, is like penciling Oregon into the playoff because everybody's assuming Oregon would would win the rematch. I don't mm-hmm. assume that, but I, I do think uh, if I had a ticket, I would pick Oregon. All right, final thing for you. We haven't spoken to you since Zach Arnett was let go, since Jimbo Fisher was let go, and Hunter Juracek told Sam Pittman he's returning to Arkansas. Uh, Who are you hearing as uh, possible replacements, if anybody, for those two jobs? And then what do you think about Pittman being retained? Yeah, I'll start with Pittman. Um, I I think this makes financial sense, which we don't see happen a lot (laughs) in college athletics because of that unique clause in his contract. Whereas if his record since 2021 would drop below 500 next year, they could fire him at a discount. Um, so it's almost a win-win for Arkansas, I guess I would say. Either he turns it around next year, and you don't have to think about firing him, or it keeps going down the path that it went this year, and you get to fire him at a discount. Now, um, you know that would feel like a wasted season next season, and the old Jeremy Foley quote, the Florida AD, would be, mm. uh, you know, what must be done eventually should be done immediately. That's what Jeremy Foley likes to say. However... I don't know if he had this unique contract in mind when he said that. So I don't, I don't mind the idea um, to give Pittman one more go because of the contract clause. Um, for Mississippi State, you know, I, I, I wrote after that happened that I thought Mississippi State's first call should be to Dan Mullen, and I think that, that, that is true. That's probably where his first call should have been. I don't think Mississippi State will go down that road. I don't think Dan Mullen would go down that road. I think best-case scenario for Mississippi State is to try to find the next Dan Mullen, someone who needs to prove themselves at a Power 5 head coaching job, and maybe quite frankly can use it as a springboard to something higher up the ladder. I know Mississippi State fans don't want to consider that reality, Mm -hmm. but I would lean into it. Use it as a sales pitch that, hey, if you can come and win in the SEC at Mississippi State for several years, you can then call your next shot and go wherever you want, basically. You can go to Florida, you can go to Texas, wherever you want. Come and do it at Mississippi State for a few years. Prove yourself who would be that type of guy? I think Jamie Chadwell at Liberty. Um, he's won everywhere he's been. He's never worked at the Power Five level before, um, but he's he's got it, you know, humming on the heels of, of Hugh Freeze at, at Liberty. Um, he did it for several years at, at, at Coastal Carolina and lower levels before that. Um, he's really good at X's and O's. 
I think he's good at evaluating and developing talent. All those types of things mm-hmm. that I think you need to succeed at Mississippi State. He's got him. He doesn't check every box because he doesn't have that Power 5 experience. But I don't know that Mississippi State can get a guy that checks all the boxes. He checks a lot of them. Uh, I'd go really hard after Jamie Chadwell. And, and then Texas A&M, um, I think some of the dream candidates are going to fall away, right? Like as long as Dan Lanning or Kalen DeBoer from Washington are in the playoff hunt, unless they would just up and pull a Brian Kelly, like you can't get those guys. They're not right. going to walk away right. while they're still on playoff teams. So I could see this job falling to like a Mike Elko, who was there before at Duke, or a Lance Leipold from Kansas, uh, Chris Kleiman for, from Kansas State. You know, good program guys at, at Power 5 programs where Texas A&M is clearly a jump. But I would say, I mean, Lane Kiffin's still kind of the X factor out there. Uh, I think Lane probably feels like he's butting up against his ceiling at Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he could consider Texas A&M. Would Texas A&M consider him? I don't know. I think they'd be kind of foolish not to. However, Lane is one of those guys you can't really control. You got to take. If you're going to take Lane. You got to take all that comes with him. <laughs> Old Miss, Miss does that and, and does it with a smile. Uh, not everywhere would do that. I don't. I don't. I, that might be an issue with Texas A. Well, you are certainly not off base, uh, Blake. Stirring the pot here for our Ole Miss listeners. Uh, he is Blake Topmeyer, SEC columnist for USA Today Network. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at bTopmeyer. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks. We'll know a lot more. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Blake. And as always, we appreciate it. Okay, sounds good. You too, guys. Take care. Folks, if you've got a move coming up, you know that can be a stressful time. You want to make sure that you get people to help you that are going to be the best of the business and take care of your belongings and make sure that everything goes as smooth as possible. That's exactly what the folks at Black Tie Moving will do for you. Whether you're moving across town, whether you're moving across country, wherever it is that you're headed, maybe it's your, you're moving to a new home, maybe it's a new office. Folks at Black Tie Moving are there to help you. Give them a call at 901-316-6196, 901-316-6196. Or you can go to blacktiemoving.com slash Memphis. Talk with those. Uh, talk with the folks at Black Tie Moving. They come up with a plan by working with you that fits your needs and your budget. They give you a no-obligation quote up front as well. They're going to make sure everything is as smooth as it could possibly be with your move. That's exactly what you get with the professionals from Black Tie Moving. All right, we're coming back. Final segment. More on this Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, FedEx deal with quotes from all the the principals in this one. That to wrap it up and call it a day and then hand things over to Dave Willotion for Wolo and Friends. You're tuned into Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. We are Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM, as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Acura of Memphis. Who's lightning? Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. 
So once again, if you haven't heard the breaking news today, the Frederick W. Smith family, headed, of course, by the executive chairman of FedEx, Fred Smith, has committed $50 million to the University of Memphis for renovations to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Uh, That becomes the largest gift in university history. Additionally, a Memphis City Councilman has introduced a resolution to allocate and appropriate $120 million in state grant funding to go towards renovations of the stadium, as well as transfer ownership of the stadium to the University of Memphis Auxiliary Services Foundation. Memphis Athletics will be launching a $50 million capital campaign to match the Smiths family's significant commitment to the university. So you add it all up, that's $220 million. And even while they're doing that capital campaign, Eli, I would assume that they have enough money to get the thing rolling right after the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. So it looks like the plans will be right on uh, on the dateline that they expect. I told you that. I know, I'm just... Reiterating for people that... You don't ever have to worry about those things. They always happen. Yeah, I'm just reiterating for people who haven't heard. Here are some comments, uh, including the outgoing Mayor Jim Strickland, who has been so important in this whole thing. As a Tiger fan and University of Memphis graduate, I could not be happier that we were able to make this happen. With these renovations, the stadium will receive much-needed upgrades. This puts the university in excellent positions to continue to work towards entrance into a Power 5 conference. Thanks to the state of Tennessee for its contribution. Thanks to both the University of Memphis and Grizzlies teams for their cooperation as we have worked through this process. Again, it's interesting that you you still have to go through Grizzlies with, with a bunch of things, but they are part of the allocation from the state money as we still don't have finality on what's going to happen with FedEx Forum and the money allocated for that. But I would imagine it's going to come sooner than later. Yeah, again, I, I just, if you do the, the math kind of from the original ask, and again, there's still things to be worked out, but that would leave from the original asking thing, um, including the state money and the other stuff, it would be about $563 million. And again, I know the Grizzlies... Um, one of the numbers they've been trying to work towards was $550 million. Uh, President of the University of Memphis, Dr. Bill Hargrave, we truly appreciate the Smith family for recognizing the strength of our university and athletic programs and wanting to help to continue our momentum for the betterment of our entire city. We are grateful for the leadership of Mayor Jim Strickland and the city of Memphis in securing state funding for our city's sports venues. And we appreciate the city's ongoing partnership as we navigate this potential game-changing opportunity for our university. Dave Woloshin, I'm sure we'll have more on this breaking news. Um, that's going to do it for us. In fact, that will do it for you for the week as you're headed to Philadelphia with the Ole Miss basketball team. Hey, don't burn down the city before I get there on Thursday, all right? Uh, I will try not to. Try not to. I know I'm, just, I'm just trying to get a cheesesteak. Yeah, you're going to get in trouble. I, 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 I apparently have to try seven different places in one day. I know you're getting in trouble. Eat, baby. Eat like there's no tomorrow. Speaking of eating hot wings, we are... I don't know if we're the hot wing capital, but we're way, way up there. And one of the great hot wing joints in this city is the Crazy Coop. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express, now open at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. What makes the Crazy Coop's hot wings the best? The seasonings. 27 different seasonings to choose from, including the sweet maple bourbon. The taste will remind you of chicken and waffles. That's just one of those 27 flavors. Pick up. A crazy pack today. You can have them cater an event. You can call up. 
Order online, pick it up yourself, or have any of the services delivered to your home or office. They're open 11 to 9, seven days a week for those great whole wings, party wings, boneless wings, and chicken tenders, plus those other great meals that you can get at their Bartlett location, including catfish sandwiches, half-pound burgers, and all the great sides like fried okra, green tomatoes, and dill pickles. It's the Crazy Coop. That's 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten. That's in Bartlett and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. I think Buffalo still gets the wing capital. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. I guess so. But maybe a little overrated. Just because you found the play, maybe it's not the best just because they're known for it. We want to thank Jonah Dillon, Jeff Crane, Zoe Goodson, Blake Topmeyer for joining us today. And, of course, a shout-out to you folks. Thank you for listening. Thanks uh, for all your calls, all your texts. We really appreciate it. I will be back tomorrow with Zach. Among our guests, Ryan Silverfield, Tigers football coach, will join us tomorrow. We're also hoping to talk to Andy Borman in the Bahamas, Memphis Tigers assistant coach, plus the Grizzlies with DeMichael Cole, Jerry Palm, and don't forget five favorite things your five favorite places in Memphis to get a sub or a deli sandwich. Well done, friends, on Sports 56 is next. For Eli and Zach, I'm Greg. Have a great day, everyone. Eli.